Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So can y'all stand to y'all's feet in honor of reading God's Word? We're going to go ahead and jump right into it in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. Now a little bit of context about where we pick up. Uh, God has now instructed Samuel to go and search for a new king over Israel. Uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, uh, has turned his back on God. And because of that, uh, Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord left him and then went and God instructed Samuel to find uh, the next king over Israel. And that led him to the small town of Bethlehem, um, to the house of Jesse. And then that's where we pick up in verse 6. They were having a dinner together. Um, and we pick up in verse 6. And it says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, who was one of Jesse's sons, and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Come on, who's thankful that God knows the heart of man? That God doesn't rely on people's opinions to determine his expectation when he looks at our heart. He knows our hearts. It says in verse 8 that then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse didn't have Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons, and they all passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord had not chosen these. Sometimes I think about, like, if I'm, if I'm with one of those sons, and I see, like, them all starting to get, like, you know, Samuel's like, no, and the next one, no, and the next one, no. I'll be like, oh, he's about to say yes. Like, the, the longer he's saying no... The better chance I have, he's going to say yes to me. But then he said no to all the sons that were in that dinner time. And it says, the Lord, he said, the Lord has not chosen these. Verse 11. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? He said, there is still the youngest. Everybody say the youngest. He says, there is still the youngest and he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in, and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and, and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully. Everybody say powerfully. Powerfully upon David, I don't know about you, but I want to live a life where I'm able to live powerfully in the presence and the power and the peace of God. Well, I don't want to look back on my life and say, well, I walked in maybe just a, a little bit of what God had for me, a little bit of the power that was available. No, I want to walk powerfully in the life that I've been called to live in. And that's really the life that David lived. He, he lived in a life powerfully in the anointing of God. And he became that king. But the title for tonight, you can turn to your neighbor and say, The Heart of a King. The Heart of a King. Come on, let's pray over the service together. 
Father, we thank you for what you're doing tonight, God. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. Right now, we break every distraction, God. Right now, we break any, any weapon of the enemy. Father, if there's anything that's trying to come against us, God, we remove that right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for clarity. We thank you for a sound mind. We thank you for God's soft and good ground for us to be receive the word, God, to receive what you have for us tonight. So, Father, we thank you, God, for transformation taking place. We thank you, God, for your will taking place. And we thank you, Father, that we're going to leave this house, God, different than what we came, stronger than what we came, God, filled with more joy and peace than what we came, Father, filled with more of your spirit than what we came, Father. In the name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise, and then y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Thank y'all for standing in honor of reading the word. One of the things that really makes me laugh, I guess, on the inside when I'm talking to somebody and I'm talking to them about um, uh, scripture or talking to them about the Bible. You know, I've heard somebody say this to me time and time again. They say, well, I can't really read the Bible or scripture because every time I start reading it, man, the Bible's just boring. Like, I, I read it, man, I'm falling asleep, and I'm reading, I just can't, like, it's not keeping my attention. Like, the Bible's boring, and I always can't help but laugh, because if you really read the Bible, you know it's basically a soap opera, and all these crazy things going on. Like, it's an entertaining book, but with that being said, we don't, we don't read the Bible to be entertained, right? We don't read Scripture, so that way it'd be something to, a form of entertainment. We read it to be transformed from the inside out. But with that being said, the Bible is very entertaining. There's so many scriptures and passages where it's, it's, it's like a movie. And, and one of those examples is the scripture that we just read. If you can kind of paint the picture in your mind, uh, Samuel is instructed by God to now find the next king of Israel. While King Saul, the first king, is still in his reign over Israel. But Samuel is now looking for that next king and that leads him God leads him to the small town of Bethlehem into the house of Jesse and you you can picture the scene that they're in right you can picture almost the drama that the sons of Jesse they're on the edge of their seat because this prophet Samuel is now in their dining room now to to bring better context uh the prophet Samuel was a very famous guy okay in all of Israel so imagine if, like, Dwayne DeRock Johnson was having dinner at your house, okay? Like, everybody knew who Prophet Samuel was, okay? And so for him to be having dinner with the sons of Jesse and in that household, it was a big deal. So you can see them on the edge of their seat, Samuel looking to see who's going to be the next king. And as he's going from son to son, Samuel, he, he says to himself in Scripture, he says, when he got to the first son, he said, surely this is the one. He, he says, surely this is, the, this is the, the man who is supposed to be the next king of, of, of Israel because he, he looks the part. He, he's tall. It says the son Eliab, right? He, he looks. He says, surely this is the Lord's anointing. But God said no. And then, then he went to the next son. And, and even though he looked like, the, like a king from the, from the outside, he, he didn't have what it took to be a king on the inside. And, and so they kept on moving on. But you see, Samuel wasn't seeing what God could see. See, although Samuel saw the outward 
appearance, God truly is the one who sees the heart. And even though Prophet Samuel at that time maybe had been the one so connected with God, truly only God can see the heart. And maybe he can reveal it to us. But God saw the heart and he said, I'm not going to choose somebody who just looks like a king from the outside. I'm going to choose somebody that looks like a king on the inside. You see, the previous king, King Saul, the, the first king of, of Israel, Scripture says that he was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. King Saul, he, he looked apart on the outside, but he didn't have the heart it took on the inside to be king. See, it wasn't that Saul wasn't strong enough to be king. It wasn't that, that Saul wasn't talented enough to be king. Or it wasn't that he didn't have the, the appearance enough to be king. It was that he didn't have the, the right heart to be king. So even though Samuel saw all these sons who looked like the correct way on the outside, God saw the heart and he said, I'm not going to choose anybody who doesn't have the right heart to be the king over Israel. But see, that's why it's an encouraging thought to us is that although maybe man looks at the outward appearance, God truly sees the heart. And that's why you got to be careful because sometimes people might tell you you're not strong enough. Somebody might tell you that you're not capable enough or someone might tell you you're not talented enough. And they might look at you from the outside and have your book already written. They might look at you from the outside and say, oh, there's no way this person can be a king. They might look at you from the outside and say, no, there's no way you have the, the talent, the education, the experience. But who's thankful that God doesn't look at those things on the outside? God looks at the heart. So it doesn't matter what we lack on the outside. It truly ma only matters what we have on the inside. And what we're going to talk about tonight is the heart. Everybody say hearts. The hearts of a king. Because that's what really separated David from the rest of his brothers it wasn't that he was stronger than them it wasn't that he was more talented than them it wasn't anything from the outside that he had better than them what was different what separated David from his brothers was his heart this is what it says about David in Acts chapter 13 verse 22 it says that when he had removed him, speaking of Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony, said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all, somebody say all, who will do all my will. Notice he didn't say he will do some of my will. Notice he didn't say he will do what's comfortable in my will. He said, I have seen this, this man named David, who is a man after my own heart, and he will do all of my will. And really, that's a sign of his heart, because if we know the story of David, then we know that he wasn't the most, he wasn't the smartest, he wasn't the most perfect king. He didn't have everything together, but he had the right heart. And I want to encourage somebody tonight that sometimes the world, sometimes people, sometimes culture can convince us that we are less than what we truly are. 
that can convince us that we're not able to accomplish maybe what God has placed on the inside of us to do. But if we just say, you know what, maybe I am not strong enough. Maybe I truly am not smart enough, but I'm not worried about what's on the outside. I'm going to be focused on what's on the inside. And if I have a heart after God, then I know that God will make up the difference in my life. And that's really the story of David. It's that David made mistake after mistake. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He made so many mistakes. It's too many to count. But he had a heart after God. And because of that, God made up the difference. And so what we're going to do tonight is go through different aspects of David's heart and, and see what reflected what was on the inside of him. We're going to look back real quickly at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. And this, we read this in the opening scripture, but it says, so he asked Jesse, he said, are these all the sons you have? But Jesse answered David's father, he said, there is still the youngest, and he is tending the sheep. David was not even invited to the family dinner. You think you have a messed up family? Man, you don't want to be in Jesse's household. They had Dwayne DeRock Johnson over for dinner, and they didn't invite David. David wasn't even invited to the family dinner. He wasn't even respected enough by his family to warrant an invitation. They said, oh, well, you know, he's, we, yeah, we have some. Yeah, we, we actually do have. I forgot about him. You're right. We do have, yeah, you're right, Samuel. I do have another son. He's, out, he's outside. He's tending the sheep. They, he wasn't even respected enough by his family to warrant an invitation to the dinner. But this is what I want to encourage somebody about is that God's promotion does not require man's invitation. That God is not waiting for, for man's permission to promote you. He's not saying, well, I got to wait until all the world sees how truly valuable they are. I got to wait until the boss sees how valuable you are before I can promote you. No, he says, I'm not waiting on culture. God's not waiting on people. God's not waiting on society. God's promotion is only up to one who can promote, and that's God. So don't be intimidated if you feel like you're not being invited to the dinner, okay? Don't, don't accept that insecurity if you don't feel like you, you're, you don't, you're not in the place where you should be. And you say, well, why, why am I not there? Why am I not here? And you, and you allow the enemy then to discourage you and, and to then steer you away from what God is doing. No, don't worry about all those things. Let God worry about the promotion. Don't worry about being in the right place at the right time. Just worry about serving the right God. Amen? And that even though he wasn't even respected by his family. Because it even goes further. even goes further. Jesse, David's own father, didn't even bother to call him by his name. He said the youngest one. He, even, he didn't even, he didn't even say David's name, his own dad. He said, well, we do have one. I forgot what his name is, honestly. We have so many. The youngest one. I just know he's the youngest one. Out tending the sheep. Even though he had the heart of a king, his family couldn't even acknowledge his name. It doesn't matter what the world says about us is what I'm trying to say. 
Don't be searching so that way people can know your name. Don't be living so that way you, so society can know your name. No, the only person who has to know your name is God. If God knows your name, he's going to supply the promotion. It doesn't matter if you have a million followers on social media. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if nobody knows your name. If Jesus knows your name, the person who matters the most, that's the person who's going to give you the promotion you need in life. They didn't even know, they didn't even acknowledge David's name. But this is what I really wanted us to catch from that scripture. Is that while everybody was getting dinner, David was taking care of the sheep. While everybody was out having fun, while everybody was out, out eating and, and having a time with Samuel, David was taking care of the sheep. Now, if you look at what that responsibility meant at that time in society... Taking care of the sheep, being a shepherd, was the lowest responsibility anybody could have. Matter of fact, it wasn't the responsibility that a son was supposed to have. It was meant more for a servant or for a slave. It wasn't meant for the son of the household. So for the son of Jesse David to then be a shepherd, that's the lowest of the lowest responsibility you could ever have. But yet David was tending the sheep. He wasn't complaining about tending the sheep. He wasn't trying to make excuses about maybe the responsibility that he had. He wasn't complaining about the job he had. He was grateful for the job he had. He wasn't, he could have easily said, you know what, they're out all having fun. I got this small job anyways. It's the lowest responsibility you could ever have. So what's the big deal if I don't actually do my job correctly? What's the big deal if I just take, you know, let the sheep take care of themselves and I go out and have fun with my friends? What's the big deal? But that shows David's heart. That shows that he had a heart. And it's point one for tonight. It's that David had the heart of a steward. Everybody say steward. He had a heart of a steward. See, before God can trust you with more, he first has to see how you're handling what you have right now. Before God can trust you with more responsibilities, he first has to see how, you, how are you handling the responsibility he's given you right now. Before God can trust you with more finances, he first has to see, hey, how are you handling your finances right now? Before God can trust you with more influence, how are you handling the influence you have right now? Because let me tell you this. If you can't handle the little, God's not going to give you a lot. If you're not faithful with the small, with maybe what you look like, it's, a, it's the responsibility of a shepherd. But if you don't treat that like a keen would, God's not going to promote you the way you should be. But if you're a good steward of what you have, if you're a good steward with the responsibility God has given you, if you're a good steward of that, that's when God can trust you with more. Because he sees that he, you are able to be responsible. He sees that he's able to trust you, really, with what you have right now. And when you say, God, I don't have a lot, but what I do have, I give to you. I'm telling you, that's a fast track to blessings right there and provision we say, God, maybe I don't have a lot, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going, I'm going to ignore it or not handle it well or not be a good steward. I might not have a lot, but God, what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And I'm going to do it with my whole heart. 
It doesn't matter if people are, are, are looking. It doesn't matter if people notice or not. It doesn't matter if, if, if people are out at the dinner and I'm here in the shepherd's field where nobody knows my name. It doesn't matter because I'm not doing it for them anyways. I'm doing it for you. That's the heart of promotion. And how you really see is in David's life is that even after David was anointed to be king, you know what he did? Because here's a no like, if I was David, and as soon as that oil touched my head from Samuel, anointed me to be king, I'm out of there, right? I was like, okay, I'm king now. That time of a shepherd is behind me. My life is now set. I'm a king. Now I'm going to tell everybody what to do. But David didn't do that. He easily could have. He could have stormed straight to the palace and said, I'm the Lord's anointed now. But he didn't do that. He went back to the shepherd's field. He went back to the responsibility that he had. He went back to what God has given him. He went back to, and he went to be a good steward. And this is what he didn't do. David didn't go and he, he, he went back to the, to the shepherd's field and he waited for God to promote him. He didn't self-promote himself. I think that sometimes, sometimes what we can do is that we say, well, I see, God, where you're taking me, so guess what, God? I don't need you anymore. I'm going to go do it myself. And we try to self-promote ourselves. But if we just be a good steward of what we have now, if we just go back and say maybe it's not a lot of responsibility, but I'm going to treat it like it is one, and I'm going to give all my heart into it, I'm going to do this work unto the Lord. If we do that, God's going to promote See, before we can be a king, we first have to learn to be a shepherd. Before we can step into what God has next, we first have to make sure that we're showing God that he can trust us with what we have now. Saying, God, you can trust me with what you put in front of me right now. That I'm not going to wait until I have all this influence or all this responsibility or all this blessings, whatever it is, before I start being a good steward. No, I'm going to start being a good steward now. I'm be faithful with what is in front of me. I'm going to focus on what I have right here, right now. Why? Because if God sees you're faithful with the now, he will then give you the next. But if you are not faithful with your now, you're always going to be stuck and never be able to get to the next. God has to see you be faithful. God has to see you that you're trustworthy. I'm telling you, there's always going to be times when we're in the shepherd's field, but it's in that time where we're saying, God, you can trust me. I'm being faithful. I'm not doing this for anybody else, but I'm doing it for you. I have the heart of a steward. Everybody say heart of a steward. And so as we continue on with David's life, and because he's being a good steward, of being a shepherd, and also David was a musician, and throughout his life he wrote many songs. He, mo- he wrote many psalms in the book of Psalms, and there, there are actually some songs that we sing that David wrote while he was in the shepherd's field. And so David was just being a good steward of his responsibilities. He's being a good steward of being a shepherd and a musician, and King Saul then needs a musician for himself because during this time while David has been anointed to be king and says the spirit was powerfully with him at that same time King Saul was still the king of Israel and he was dealing with stress he was dealing with anxiety let me just tell you this if you try to step into those responsibilities like Saul was without the spirit of God 
you're going to be stressed. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be like, oh, my God, you're going to be overwhelmed. And that was Saul right now. And so Saul in Scripture says he was in search for, you, for a musician to calm his mind. And this is where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18. It says this. It says, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David, the shepherd. Everybody say shepherd. Notice he say, send David, the future king. And he say, send David, the one who's been anointed by the prophet Samuel, said, send David, the shepherd. Jesse re responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat and a donkey loaded with bread and a wine school full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving. Everybody say serve. And he began serving him. And Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. One of the things that really stick out to me about this is that David did not seek out the king. The king seeked out David. David wasn't the one saying, okay, uh, this is my future. I need to go and seek out the palace, seek out this time, seek out the connection, seek out the right relationships. No, he was just seeking after God. And because he was seeking after God, David didn't, didn't have to go seeking out for the king. The king didn't seek out for him. And really, I think that's true in our relationships. Sometimes we try to make everything happen. We try to make all our relationships happen, all of our connections happen, that we forget about the most important relationship we have, and that's with Jesus Christ. But if we put God, if we put the relationship we have with God, number one, then all those relationships will fall in order. And I'm telling you this, you won't have to be searching for the right one. The right ones will be searching for you. Because God is at the number one. He's the one who brings the connections together. And then David showed up to the palace, and he didn't show up, and he kicked the door down. I might have. Kicked the door down, said, I'm here now. Get out my chair, right? No, he came to the palace of his future throne. He came to the place where he would reign. He, he came to that place, and he, and he didn't say, I'm here to take your job. He didn't say, I'm here to remove you. He said, I am here to serve. Everybody say serve. He said, I'm here to serve. The future king of Israel, the one who's been anointed by God, he, he said, no, I'm here to serve. And he became Saul's armor bearer. That's point number two for tonight. Is that we have to have the heart of a servant. Everybody say servant. We have to have the heart of a servant. Even Jesus said, the son of man, even he said, the greatest title you could have is to serve. And he said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. He said, I didn't come to be the first. Matter of fact, the first will be the last, but the last will be first. He came with a message, and his message was servanthood. And that's the type of heart that David had. David had the heart of a servant. And he made serving his priority. He didn't make promotion his priority. He didn't make going after his own will his priority. He didn't say, well, look, I am now the anointed king over Israel, so therefore I need to make it happen on my own, the priority. No, he said, no, even though I am anointed to be king, even though I'm anointed for, to rule over all these people, no, I'm actually here 
to serve. And that's what really puts you on the fast track to promotion. I'm telling you, if you just come in with the mindset and the heart to serve, my Lord Jesus will begin to promote. I'm telling you right now, if you come in with a mindset saying, hey, I'm not here to get my own. I'm not here to get something from you. I'm not here to, to go and elevate my own name or platform. I'm just here to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. And you have that heart and that motive and that mindset, God can then promote. It's always when you serve. It's always when you have that heart of servanthood is that God is then able to promote because he sees and he knows and he can trust. Because the only reason why God would ever promote us is not that way that we could promote ourselves. It's not that way that we can make our own name more famous. The only reason why God promotes us, you want to know why he would ever promote us? Is so that way we could serve even more. Is that way we could serve even more people. And he can trust us with influencing even more people in a way of serving them. That's the only reason why God would promote us. So when we have that heart of servanthood, when we have that motive saying, God, I'm not here, right, to push my own agenda. Matter of fact, God, I cleared that from my mind. I cleared that from my heart. I'm not trying to go and to create my own platform. I'm not trying to go and create a name for myself. I'm just here to serve. I'm telling you, if we have that heart of this servanthood, and that doesn't mean just in church. If we just have that heart of servanthood in the workplace, in the neighborhoods, in the schools, if we just have that heart to serve one another, Scripture says it like this, what you do for the least of these, you do it for me. When we do and we just go out and begin to serve one another, I'm telling you, God will begin to promote. It almost be like all of a sudden you're on the fast track to promotion. Why? Because you just have the heart of a servant. Amen. Come on, if you're ready to serve like Jesus served, come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise tonight. So David, he spins... Well, let me say this. David was anointed to be king at the age of 15. At 15 years old, he was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king over Israel. But it wasn't until he was 30 years old that he actually became the king over Israel. But most people, right, what is the most famous thing that David's known for? David and Goliath, right? That was really the, the, the first big moment of his life. That was really the, 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 the first really big victory that he has in his life. That, because how do we know that? Because Scripture doesn't mention anything until then. From the time that he was anointed, from the time that he was anointed to then, the biggest thing was David and Goliath. But that didn't happen. David didn't defeat Goliath until he was 19 years old. So if you, if you look at that, for four years... David is spending his time not trying to promote himself. Is spending his time not trying to say, well, I, I need to go take out Saul so I can get my throne. He didn't spend his time trying to self-promote. He spent his time serving, and he spent his time being a good steward. He spent his time being a good steward of what God has blessed him with and the responsibilities he had as a shepherd, and he spent his time serving King Saul. And so you kind of see Really, the balance that that is, and that we all really strive and are called to do is stewardship and servanthood. Stewardship and servanthood. I'm telling you, if there's ever a place in my life where I feel like I am not moving in the right direction, I always look at those two things. 
Am I serving the right way, and am I stewarding the right way? Because if something's happening in my life, one of those two things are out of whack. I'm either not stewarding the right way or I'm not serving the right way. So what David was doing is that he was stewarding and he was serving. He was stewarding. He was serving. He was spending time with God. He was doing what he was supposed to do. In the eyes of God, he had the correct heart. And while he was doing that, this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 20 it says, so David left the sheep with another shepherd. So there he's being a good steward, right? He didn't say he left the sheep alone. He said he left the sheep with another shepherd. He's being a good steward. And then he set out the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He's being a good servant. And when he arrived at the camp, just as the Israelites' army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So this is when the opportunity of Goliath came. It, take, it came out of his time of serving and being a good steward. Out of his season of stewarding and being a good servant and focusing on God, that's when God brought the opportunity. This is what I'm trying to tell you, is that we don't have to go seek out the opportunities. We, we're not supposed to go out and make the opportunities on our own. If we're just a good steward and we're serving the way we're supposed to, God's going to show up and he's going to bring the opportunity that we need for promotion. He's going to bring that opportunity that we need. And out of him doing those things of stewardship and servanthood, he shows up to the battle. See, David showed up to that battlefield looking to, sh to serve, not to be promoted. But when you show up to serve, that's when God will present promotion. But David showed up to the battlefield, and he shows up. And we know the story, right? He shows up and he sees all the Israelites running away in fear. He sees all the, the, the army of Israel scared to do anything, intimidated by Goliath, intimidated by this Philistine, intimidated by this problem. See, that's what really what Goliath was. Goliath was a giant problem, Right? But that's a lot of times what promotion comes is in the form of a problem. Promotion comes in a form of something that seems difficult. Promotion comes in a form of something that seems like maybe this is going to take a, a push for myself. It comes from uh, and the opportunity for promotion comes from what looks like a problem at first. But David had the faith to step up to that problem. And Saul said this. Saul, King Saul said this, because Saul's scared too. He said, whoever kills this Goliath, he said two things. He said, you will be rewarded by marrying my daughter and not paying taxes. And everybody said, hooray. <laughs> Especially about the last part. He said, whoever kills this Goliath, all you who are running around, if anybody steps up and kills Goliath, you will be able to marry my daughter, which means you will then be in the royal family, but then you will not pay taxes. But everybody was running. While everybody ran, David was ready. And I believe David was ready for that opportunity because he was spending his time in the shepherd field the right way. He was being a good steward and being a good servant, spending his time with God. And when the opportunity came, he was ready. That is why our devotion life is so important. Because really what I believe spending time with God does, it does many things for us. But what it does is that it gets us ready for when God's direction comes. 
That when you are putting God first in your life and spending time in his presence and spending time praying and worshiping, it gets you ready that when that direction comes, you're ready for it. You're not afraid of it. You're not intimidated by it. You're not saying, well, maybe is God capable or not? No, you're ready for it because you've been spending time with the commander of the armies of heaven, of, of the angels. You've been spending time with him, and you know what he's capable of. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It said, David replied to the Philistine, he says, you come to me with sword, and spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And today, the Lord will conquer. Everybody say conquer. The Lord will conquer you. See, that's really what David had figured out. He said, today, I will conquer you. He didn't say, today, my little rock and sling will conquer you. He said, no, the Lord will conquer you. When we give God the victory before the battle's even started, I'm telling you, the Lord will conquer every enemy, every anxiety, anything coming against us. Why? Because the Lord will conquer it. But he says this. He said, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Amen. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and not with spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. But I want us to catch this, verse 48. It says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran away. No. It says, when Goliath, I don't know about you, he's about nine feet tall. When he moved forward to me, I'll be like, okay, I'm really good at talking a big game, right? But now a giant's coming towards me. It didn't say David ran. It didn't say he was afraid. It didn't say David said, well, you know what? Uh, you know, let's just rock, paper, scissors this, right? We don't have to really, you know, let's get to the bomb. No. It says this. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly, everybody say quickly, quickly ran out to meet him. David didn't hesitate. David didn't say, I'm afraid. David didn't, didn't say, is God really capable? David didn't, in that moment of faith, and let me tell you this, in that moment of faith, when that opportunity comes, you better not hesitate. When that moment comes... When the giant move, moves towards you and comes to attack, when the enemy starts to say things about your family, when things about to happen in your household, when it feels like your business is starting to come under attack, you better not hesitate. You better not be afraid. Because I, I'm going to tell you this, if you're not spending time with God in the shepherd's field, you're going to hesitate. You're, that, that pushback, that giant's going to come, it's, he's going to come towards you, and you're going to be like, well... I should have prayed more, right? Pastor CJ really was right. I should have prayed. But when we spend time in God's presence, when we spend time in his house, when we spend time in prayer, I'm telling you, when that enemy comes towards you, you're not going to hesitate. You're going to quickly meet out and go out into battle. You're going to step up in your faith, have that boldness, have that obedience. Why? Because you know what type of God you serve. And that's the type of heart that David had. His final point for tonight is that David had the heart of a soldier. Everybody say soldier. David had the heart of a soldier. He was ready to be obedient when God called upon him. 
He was ready to step out by faith when God called upon him. When his number was called, he was ready. When the, when the battle came, he was ready to fight. When, when that problem came, he was ready to attack. And that's the type of heart we have to have. Is that not only do we have to have faith, we have to have works as well. And we got to go out there and move our feet sometimes. we got to go out there and what Pastor Bobby says, put feet to your faith, right? And go out there and begin to fight battles. And go out there and begin to, to fight on behalf of God and say, look, I'm not fighting you with spear or sword. I'm fighting you on behalf of the Lord, of the armies of heaven and the armies of Israel. I'm fighting in that behalf and have that heart of a soldier. And you already know David had that type of heart because he was ready to throw it down, right? He was, he was talking to, to Goliath. He was, like, he was like, look, I'm cutting off your head. Like, he's not saying, he's saying he's, he said he wasn't taking any prisoners. You can't take it easy on the enemy. That's what I'm trying to say. You can't take it easy on the lies that the enemy tries to convince you of. You can't take it easy on, on all the things that the, that the devil tries to do against you or insecurities try to convince you of. You can't take it easy on those things. You have to say, no, I'm going to remove, I'm going to wipe those things out. I'm going to wipe those lies out. I'm going to wipe those curses out. I'm going to wipe those, I'm going to wipe it out. It's going to end right now. You got to have that heart of a soldier. And then this story really comes full circle. Because we open up right with all the sons of Jesse, Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah. All of them looked like they should have been king, right? All of them were, were the ones from the outward appearance. They looked like they should be king. But, but in this scripture, all of David's brothers was on that battlefield as well with him. All of his brothers was there with him. And even though they might have been bigger than him, stronger than him, you, know, you want to know what? When Eliab saw Goliath, Eliab ran. When his brother Shammah saw Goliath, Shammah ran. When Abinadab saw Goliath, Abinadab ran. All of David's brothers ran. But, but see, they might have looked the part on the outside. They didn't have what it looked like on the inside to be keen. But David stepped up. A young 19-year-old boy stepped up with the heart of a king, the heart of a soldier. And while everybody else was running away, he ran towards the battle. And he says, I'm here. And a representative of the Lord of God, I'm here trying to take the battle to this uncircumcised Philistine. And he went into battle. Because he knew who, he got, who his God was. Because he was spending time with them. Can you stand? I'm closing. I'm closing. David was willing to take a stand. Step out by faith. And it wasn't because he was stronger than every, any, everybody else. It wasn't because he was the better soldier than everybody else. It wasn't because he had more talent than everybody else. It was because he had the right heart. And that's what makes all the difference. Because see, in God's eyes, you might be able to impress people with your knowledge. You might be able to impress the world with your strength. You might be able to convince people that you're worthy to be a king. But in God's eyes, he doesn't see those things. He sees the heart. And that's what matters the most. We might be able to trick people into thinking that we have it all together. We might be able to trick the world into thinking that we have it all together, but we can't trick God. 
If we don't have the right heart, we can't trick God. God sees our heart. But when we have the right heart, a heart that this is stared towards God, and we have the heart of saying, it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. It doesn't matter if I don't have all the qualifications, if I don't have all the experience, if I don't have all the knowledge or the strength or the know-how. It doesn't matter all those things. God, I just want to have the right heart. And if we just focus on having the right heart, promotion will come. If this focus on having the right heart, God will begin to open up opportunities. God will begin to open up doors. God will begin to op open up the pathways for us. Why? Because it wasn't because we had the strength. It wasn't because we had the skill. It's because we had the right heart. And that's the prayer for tonight. Saying, God, if there's anything on the inside of me, if there's anything in my heart that is keeping me away from being promoted, that is keeping me away from stepping into all the things that I'm supposed to be in your purpose. If there's anything in my heart that doesn't line up with your word, God, remove it. Because, Father, we want to have the right heart. We want to have a heart that's after you. We want to have a heart that's after your presence, that's after your word, that's after your peace. That's what I want to close with tonight. Is that the heart of a king is to have a heart after God. That's just what we have to have tonight. Let's just have a heart after God. When was the last time we said, let's tune out the noise, let's tune out the distractions, let's tune out what everybody else might be saying, let's tune out those things that are on the outside and focus what's on the inside. Tune out maybe what the world's trying to convince me of or insecurities or lies. Let's tune all those things out and focus on God's presence right now because the only way you can have a heart change is in the presence of God so when you begin to set your motives and your priorities and your mindsets and say God I I move away from all the things that don't line up with you God I move away from all the things that might be selfish that might be father prideful God I I remove all those things from my heart but God I line up with you right now that's what we want to pray together tonight with every hand lifted and head bowed let's just pray together father we thank you right now god for a heart transformation we thank you right now father if there's anything that doesn't line up with you if there's anything god that is god restricting the blessings the provision the promotion god god right now god we remove it in the name of jesus Remove any pride, bitterness, or unforgiveness. Remove anything that doesn't line up with your word. God, remove it from our heart because we want to have the heart of David, the heart after you, the heart that lines up with your word, the heart that lines up with your motives, the heart that lines up with your purpose. And Father, is anything that's, a, that's blocking it, Father, God, we thank you for your forgiveness. Your forgiveness, God, makes us white as snow. Your forgiveness, God, makes us, God, righteous in your eyes. God, we thank you right now for the blood of Jesus. God, washing away anything that doesn't line up. Father, right now we remove, God, any bitterness or unforgiveness or anger, God, or insecurities, Father. Whatever it is, every lie, we remove it. And God, we thank you that our heart lines up with you, Father. That, God, we have a heart transformation. And that, Father, we have the heart of a king the heart that is after you. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just begin to sing and worship together. Let's go into his presence. Let's sing together. And right now we want to open up the altars for our prayer partners and pastors. If you want to pray in agreement with somebody, the altars are open to pray together. But let's pray that our heart is lined up with you, Father. And let's pray that there is nothing restricting us from God's motion. Come on, let's sing together. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.